We made this. Welcome to the Starlight Ballroom. Hey. Hello and welcome to Shipwrecked and Comatose, a Red Dwarf podcast right here on the We Made This Podcast Network. My name's Mark and I am your regular host. No Kurt again, because we're doing specials on the American pilots, but my co-host for those two, welcome back, Carl Bryan, hello. Hello there, Mark, how are you doing? I'm alright, I'm alright, how are you? I'm not too bad, not too bad at all. Uh, interested in talking about the, the second swing at... Uh, at the U.S. Red Dwarf baseball, as it were. After the after watching the first one, mm-hmm. I can't say I was looking forward to doing the second one as as, as much as I was initially because we've re- recorded these a couple of weeks apart from each other, and um, they are very different things. Um, I would I would describe this more as an elongated trailer than a pilot to be honest with you do you think that's fair i do i mean this is the one that doug nail has gone on record and saying that this one is the one that got nicked and shouldn't have been uh shown to anybody outside of uh studio executives i do think it's the better one of the two structurally um with what we're about to talk about um I think it's a bit... I almost think it's a bit better than the other one. It depends what day you catch me on, but today I think it's actually better than the, the other one. Really? Um, I thought it was unsalvageably bad, and I didn't think much of the first one. Ah, uh, well, uh, for re- I'll go into it as we, as we go along. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still bad. <laughs> it's still really, really bad. Mm. Um, but there is there is some good points to it. Um Definitely, but there is a there is quite a few bad points to it as well. So what essentially it is is this one's only fifteen minutes, so it's not an episode. It's like I said, it's almost a trailer rather than a than a pilot. They've reshot some stuff. They've got clips from the first pilot and significant numbers of clips from the British mm-hmm. Red Dwarf as well, and um, it, it it just feels. Really fucking cheap, even much more so than the than the first pilot. I thought I was surprised when it started up and we went into a scene from from Terraform from the British series five. Um, yeah. I thought initially I'd got got the wrong thing. Um, I thought that I, too. Yes, I think they described it as in another dimension, not far away. That there's bit, there was this show. Well, I do have that, like I did in the first one of these two episodes, I do have that written down. Should we should we get going and go through the plot? Yeah, absolutely. So, it's similar Star Wars type scrolling text to we saw what we saw in the first pilot, but this one you can actually read without freeze frame. And it says, not long ago, in a universe not so very far away, there was a TV show which chronicled the adventures of the biggest bunch of whacked-out space bums ever to set foot in an alternative dimension. Its name was Red Dwarf. And then it plays the British Red Dwarf theme? I was actually a fan of that, purely because, to me, and I'm to a lot of the fans, it is an iconic theme, 
Um, and it, I think it's it's a million times better than the theme that we got before in the first pilot. So I, I didn't mind too much see, hearing the Red Dwarf theme. I'd have been happier if they'd edited, but they probably didn't have enough footage, edited some of the US stuff um, over the top. But as we've seen, there's in terms of how much footage is shot... They probably wouldn't have been able to do enough to cover the entire title sequence. Yeah, I agree. I think when you sent me this as a um, reasonably good remastered version of it, but there is a slightly poorer quality version easily available on YouTube, which we can probably put in um, on our social media when we air this episode. But I thought you'd, like you said, I thought you'd sent me the wrong thing. I thought you'd sent me like an advert for. Maybe that the BBC had sent to to an American network to play the British show because the first four minutes of a fifteen minute in inverted commas pilot is British stuff and badly edited British stuff. Oh, so it, bad! You'll see it when we do put the link in, but it's a scene from Terraform, but it drops straight into the we're in Rimmer's mind without really establishing what's going on. Or who Rimmer is. Or who Rimmer is, or indeed who anybody is. Um, And then it it edits some of the jokes over the top of an establishing scene, so it's Rimmer's mind out there, expects sickness, and that's edited over them in a boat, um, as opposed to it being its own scene, which it was before. Mm. Which... When you know, if you're going to do that and you're going to put four minutes of the UK show in there, then do what you're doing for the American one, which is do a selection of bits. Don't just do like one chunk of one show, but you've you've chopped it so it's not uh, correct or not how it's supposed to be. Put in a little montage of because if you don't want to show the first two series, which I know. Um, Doug Naylor was massively against because of the grey, then use stuff from 4 and 5, because you had 4 and 5 by that point. Yep. And you've got enough there where you could have made a little, you know, in this case, four-minute montage of stuff that's going on. Um, and then, yeah, do it so it swip, uh, flips over into the American one. Or, as the title said, in a way that made me cringe, Red Dwarf USA. Red Dwarf USA. Uh, the, the whole thing, this whole first four minutes, the 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 the, the scrolling text was still a rip-off for of Star Wars, and it was mm-hmm. still not very funny. And no, I don't know. It was it was perhaps a little bit less arrogant, but it was still kind of almost sort of redundant. They could have just put it on screen. It didn't look good enough quality to do that scrolling text rather than just put some text on the screen. I thought that the scrolling text, you know, they'd done it themselves. They did it at the start of Series 3 when they were trying to talk their way out of the list of having twins and what happened to them thing. Um, Yeah, but again, that was done ironically and it was funny. Yeah, that was funny. This, I thought, was more functional in the terms of they needed something. It maybe didn't need to be the scrolling text. I agree, but that's what I'm getting at, is that the, the scrolling text was ropey, so they could have just put it on screen. Uh, yeah, and the logo was crap. The logo was crap. 
Part of me felt that that was almost sarcastic, in that Doug Naylor sort of kind of like washed his hands of of the American thing, and just like oh, just call it Red Dwarf USA. It's just sort of this bizarre obnoxiousness to it that I thought was sarcastic. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to do a pilot showing basically thirty percent of your pilot being what the show is that you're doing an American version of. Is that really wise? And I, I wonder whether there was an element of Doug Naylor and Rob Grant wanting to wash their hands of it and say, we're done on this project, we don't want this to be picked up, because it is just... It's just poor. It is. It's Part of me wonders whether he edited... They edited the, the first... The, the British bit. Um... Or whether they saw what they'd done to the British bit and then go, no, nah, I'm good, and <laughs> then mm. just left. Uh, because this is this is the last last attempt they made. There's not been, especially with like I thought there would have been, especially with special effects going up in quality and becoming more readily available. I thought there may have been a, another attempt made in the 2000s, especially with nerd culture becoming bigger and bigger and sci-fi becoming bigger and bigger. But mm. after this, they I think he's. He's given up. I mean, it became a thing where... I mean, Red Dwarf is shown in America. The British one is shown in America. Um, I think it's PBS, the yeah. screen. I've heard that mentioned a few times. And it gets mentioned on things like... Uh, it got mentioned on the Bing Bang Theory and a few other things as well. So it's out there now that the British show exists to American audiences, although they probably knew that anyway. Yeah. But the hardcore ones did. Um, so now I think there's probably no need for them to do an American version of it. Um, I don't feel like I'm, there's ever a need for them to do an American version of anything. But there's a lot that have been different enough. We did talk about this on the previous episode. But there, there was enough of them that have taken a good premise and then converted it to be more Americanized, And yes. that's when remakes work. Whereas... From the evidence I've seen on this particular trailer slash pilot, they made no effort to make it feel more American, other than a joke about baseball cards. With it being 1992, I think at the time, that style of sitcom was more gag, 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 gag. Whereas I think now you get, with things like, um, I mean it is a US remake, but things like The Office... And things like How I Met Your Mother and stuff like that hmm. now allow for drama and sadness. And yeah. they've mentioned that that was actually um, an influence on Series 7 when we eventually get to that, um, is it became more of a comedy comedy drama. Right. More than a straight sitcom. And I rewatched Series 7 the other day as part of my research for for the podcast. And I don't think it worked over here. I think if they'd gone that way, it could have worked over there. Mm, mm. That would that would have been the, tw- the the switch. I'd have changed the Lister and Rimmer dynamic, and I think I would have made it more like what we got with Series 7 um, for American audiences. And I think that would have probably been made better um, overall. Whereas I think in 1992, they were just going out for... It's your traditional... Because, I mean... 
when Red Dwarf started over here, they were like, you don't do science fiction sitcoms because nobody makes science fiction, excuse me, science fiction sitcoms. Right, yeah, yeah. In America, I can't think of any science fiction sitcoms at all, off the top of my head. I'm struggling. Um, There's got to be, hasn't there? But I'm struggling. Um, I know there has the been, Orville. but I know they've never met. The Orville. Well, this, this was... I was going to get to that. The Orville, if you took a fraction of the budget that they spend on the Orville, you could make a, re- a decent Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's... Yeah. Um, that's... And I can't even remember what, what network the Orville's on. I think it's on Fox or something like that. Mm. Um, the, the, somebody somewhere could make a new US Red Dwarf, and I think they could probably do it all right, but... I think if we watched it, we'd go, it's a lot different from the, the British one. But I think that's what it would need. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think the ship has sailed. I think there's yeah. these two anomalies that we've been looking at over the last couple of episodes, but I think that ship has sailed. And, I, and honestly, perhaps it's a good thing. So the start of the actual pilot, where we actually see the actual show they're trying to pitch rather than clips from the show that inspired it, begins with Rimmer and Lister in their quarters. Lister asks Rimmer if he thought about if he thought Wilma Flintstone was sexy, and the joke it's a joke about being isolated in space. It's also a joke that had been used in British Red Dwarf as well. <laughs> You've got to give them credit. They've gone like, right, we've got one more chance to do this. What are we going to do? Let's just redo bits from the British one. And let's pick some funny bits. Like the the Wilma Flintstone bit is probably an excellent choice because it will appeal to US audiences. Yeah. Probably better than a lot of the jokes. My only idea... De- I mean, originally it's a joke between Lister and the cat... Yes, um, right, in the was. British version, and at the end of it, they they both agree that he'll, she'll never leave Fred, and they know it. I think it would have been quite good if in this one, um, Lister and Rimmer both agree. You know, because all the way through, Rimmer's like, "You've gone a bit funny from being in deep space," but if they both did the same gag of agreeing. Wilmer will never leave Fred. That would show that there is some camaraderie between them being uh, left in deep space. And it, again, it does the gag of Rimmer's not so hoity-toity that uh, he's above all this. He's he's had these thoughts as well. Yeah. It, the Rimmer the Rimmer casting's really interesting because it looks like they obviously they recast, but it looks like they got someone who looked like the previous guy. And I got the feeling that if it did go to full series. They'd have got somebody else in the meantime. See, I thought he looked a lot more like Chris Barry, actually, this guy. Hmm. Yeah, he did. But it just felt like he was just there to read lines yeah. and look rimmer like. He he didn't it didn't feel like he the only part where he, I felt he was actually putting a performance in um was the actual bit where he butts his head in for the camera record. Yes. Which which we'll come to, but that, the um, the line I'd go with Betty, but I'd be thinking of Wilma, is a line that, on the main show, the main episodes of this show, I talk about the quotable Red Dwarf a lot, and how, like, every episode, certainly in Series 1 that we looked at so far, has something that I still quote, 
and reference in my everyday life on a regular basis. And the first American pilot did not have any of those quotes, whereas I'd go with insert person, but I'd be thinking of insert person is something that I'd, I'd quote all the time, all the time. And so it did make me think that they'd at least tried to get the British gags that were funny as a last-ditch attempt after not-so-good American gags in the first go. I think one of the things that this pilot does show is how the gags in the British version are fairly universal. Yeah, I think so. Um, the, The Flintstones gag, Tell Me How You Lost Your Virginity, which we're going to get to in a minute, I thought the gags in that were good. I didn't think you could balls it up <laughs> but, no. uh, they did a little bit it's, I was trying to work out the sets in these refilmed bits to me and when we get to the next section uh, I think is the prime example blatantly looked like they had a corner of a studio for an afternoon I'm pretty sure they did pretty yeah. sure they did I, I think that's that's not that's not pretty sure I think <laughs> I think that's kind of what they had left with this last-ditch attempt to try and get the show green-lit, and didn't work, did it? No, I mean, the the maroon set, I mean, it. I'm guessing it's supposed to be a tent um, that they've set up, but it just looks like they've put some sheets up around the actors, which they probably did. Yeah, I was going to say, which they probably did. So they, um, it then says on the screen, again, in really crappy logo, kind of looks like someone's done it in Microsoft Paint, and so the adventure begins. And then Lister's updating the black box about the accident and who he is. And then he tells us about Rumor being a hologram, Holly being defective, Crichton following all orders, and how the cat evolved from the domestic cat. And, my goodness, it's information overload, having dragged their feet with a load of shit to begin with. Mm. It, I, I thought with this that Craig Bierko looked more Lister-like than he did in the original. Yes, I'd agree with the, that. They've trimmed it down in that he's not wearing like the big bulky overalls. He's just got a t-shirt and a leather waistcoat, which is very Han Solo. But he looks more of a space bum than he does than yeah. he did in the previous one. Yeah, that's true. And um I mean there was a, the the Rimmer clip was a new clip. And um, it recycled Monson's gag from the from the first pilot, which I thought was a good idea because we even said at the time that what Monson's the the Monson gag could and sh- probably should have been Rimmer. So you know, credit where credit's due. Yeah, I mean, it's when they show the the, the light be sort of kicking into gear, and then it's uh, it cuts to the new actor in his place because it is a shot from the first pilot, isn't it? And then mm. they. They cut to a new one. It's like, well, that's, you know, it's blatant if you've seen the first one. <laughs> but in this one, it looks all right. There's there's a bit of dodgy green screen, but it is the 90s, so green screen was a bit dodgy then. True. Um, um, and and they, the, the, the holly gag was the one good holly gag from the, fir- from the first version of the pilot. And um, there was more footage of Terraform for Crichton. And it's like, yes. you've got access to... So many episodes. Why are you so obsessed with Terraform? Maybe that's the one thing Doug Naylor gave him. 
he, he just went, have you got any footage we can use? It's like, yeah, sure. Uh, we've just finished this one. Maybe it was, because it was around about the same time, so they'd just finished the series. Maybe it was the first one that they'd finished editing. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So it's not the first one that was broadcast, but uh, yeah, it was the first one that got... And it's pro- it's the one with the least... I don't know, really. It's, it's the one with quite a bit of Crichton in it. So... I mean, they use the zero, the don't stand around babbling when you're in mortal danger joke, which is a good joke. And I, th- I think they'd have been completely buggered if they didn't have Robert Llewellyn for both shows. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. But again, we, we later on we'll come up to that. The And the, the scene for the cat, I just didn't find funny. A joke about nine lives, and I get the idea of maybe giving this character an element that it didn't have in the British show is a nice idea. Um, I, I thought the term Humey was... W- why? Monkey was so much better. And um, and and the, it just wasn't funny. The conversation about sex wasn't funny. And she was not very charming. No, it's... I mean, with that... Uh... Doug Nail has sort of said, like, well, you know, we couldn't get the original person, we couldn't get Danny John Jules, and we couldn't find anybody, so we thought we'd take it in a completely different direction. I was up for that idea, but I I don't know how well, how long it would have lasted, to be honest, because the sex thing, the only funny thing I thought about the sex thing was Craig Bierko's reaction. Yeah. Where they sort of said, "Oh, that doesn't get it doesn't even get my sweat pores going," and Craig Bierko does the whoof as he as he follows. The the only funny bits about the cat in this were how other people reacted to her. Yeah, when she sort of said, "Like, oh, we rip out the guts of so and so, and I sit on the face of fear," the it kind of got laughed over by the the canned laughter. But Bierko's reaction of, "Well, she's calmer than you know, she's she's simmering down." <laughs> I thought that was quite funny, but I got the feeling that they, just because of America, the way American writers are, that they wouldn't be able to resist eventually having some kind of tension between Lister and the cat. Yeah. And that would be, especially with the whole Lister created the whole race, essentially, that would have been all manners of wrong. <laughs> Absolutely right, um, it was. Yeah, it, I think it was a, t- a poor, poor um, decision. But the, the, I think the one shining light of the whole of both pilots is that Craig Bierko was miscast, yet still did a really good job. The guy yes. was was handed. Let, let's let's do that. Let's do the shitty metaphor. He was handed a lemon and really tried very hard. To make lemonade, but he didn't have no sugar or water. No, and it it made me wonder how much better either one of these would have been if they'd been done in front of a live audience. Mm. Mm. Because Craig Bierko, looking into his IMDb a bit, had just come off a sitcom. This sitcom sounded great, actually. It was... It was about a, a woman who becomes a private investigator in New York. Her, her brother's a rookie cop who tags along and he plays like the, the love interest. But it was him, Matthew Perry, 
in one of his earlier, like just before Friends roles, right. uh, one of the Baldwin brothers. It sort of lasted for one series, but it was a it was a uh, studio audience sitcom, and then he went on to another one after Red Dwarf. So he had the the experience of doing a live action sitcom mm. um, in front of an audience. The guy who played Rimmer. I looked into is primarily a stage actor, so he had the experience of performing in front of audiences. Right. It it does make me wonder how much better it would have gone if they had a chance to shoot one in front of an audience where they could ride out the gags and stuff like that, and you could get genuine reactions. But that all seems pretty normal for a for a sitcom. I, I feel like this was an absolute crapshoot that had from the very beginning was doomed to fail because they didn't have the budget to be able to do that. They just got the corner of a studio, pulled in some actors, whoever they fucking could, and desperately tried to polish a shit and just made it worse. I think I, I maybe I ha- now I know that it didn't go anywhere. I almost look at it with a bit of rose-tintedness in that there's a few things in it I almost find quaint. But at the time, it must have been for any hardcore fan looking at it like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. Sort of, what is this abomination? And that's... I would suggest that would include American fans who'd watched the British series as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the, from what we've learned, the actors weren't into it um, because the script was poor, because the, the executive producer insisted on doing their script. mm Grant and Naylor weren't particularly into it because they were just getting stomped on whatever sort of path they took. Um, you know, the British cast weren't into it, the British fans weren't into it, the American fans weren't into it. It was it was a thing that would have needed to been so good to have made it yeah. and succeeded that the chances of it surviving or doing anything would have was so minute. Yeah. And that's why I kind of said, as like I said to you on the previous episode, if it had, this was '92, if it had been done in 2002, when there was no Red Dwarf, when we were gagging imagine, for Red Dwarf, exactly when when it was looking like the BBC were not going to bring it back, uh, and series six was the end, which would have been horrible. I think a lot of people would have been more open to it. Mm. And again, with with special effects being a lot better by that point. Not super better, but a lot better, certainly. I think it would have had more of a chance to live. But with this that we've just seen, no. Absolutely not. And then the one good bit that you mentioned, the the bit that genuinely I thought was cool, was Rimmer interrupts and tells him that he wasn't recording, but he was, and then Rimmer switches it off. I thought that was fun. I, I wasn't completely clear if Rimmer's dumb or it was deliberate sabotage. But I was okay with that because I felt like that was something that they could work with because Rimmer was always both of those things in the original version of Red Dwarf. So I thought that they got that right. I think um, I think it was right, yeah. I think it was more playing towards Rimmer being dumb. I think I can see where you were coming from on, on the Rimmer did it on purpose was probably the list of reaction of, oh, I used to think you were a complete jerk. But I, I do kind of think it, it, to me, it came across as Rimmer just being daft. Mm. It, like you said, I think it's a good thing because he was, he was both of those things. In in all of the clips we've seen of this actor 
being Rimmer, there wasn't anywhere near as much malice as there was in the other one. Yes. I think it was um, closer to the Chris Barry version of Rimmer, which is incredibly important because, yes, there was some malice in that Rimmer, but there was a real vulnerability and a real kind of empathy for someone who had failed, someone who was really struggling and wanted to be better than what they were and, and had become unpleasant because of it. Yeah. But that wasn't what we got in the first pilot version of Rimmer. In the first pilot, what we got, he was very slimy. He was very vicious. He was just a, a wanting to... Basically, if you took all the worst traits of the British Rimmer, that was the American Rimmer in the first pilot. Yeah, with none of the charm. With none of the charm. And in this one, we got more of the sadness a little bit. In these little bits that we've got, it's a credit to the actor they got. There was, you got a glimpse into the sad, wretched existence that Rimmer has. Mm. The end, and the how he deals with it. I thought the um, the car joke was always funny purely because as we as a lot of people know Chris Barry is a massive petrol head. Mm. And I think knowing that makes it funnier watching the British one. It but on its own it's a funny gag anyway. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. definitely. Um I liked his reaction to I thought it went on a little bit too long, but I did like his reaction to not wanting to tell the story about how he lost his virginity. Yeah, well thought, so that starts that, that's the first thing we see after we're told we're going to see some footage from future episodes, which was kind of a lie. It was clearly they'd filmed this tiny little scene, with, um, which was the American version of Marooned. And, um, yeah, they, they, they replaced the pot noodle gag with cuppa noodle, which, again, understandable American. And it's basically a complete script lift, just with new actors, though. Yeah, I mean, it does make me wonder how much time they had. I think pretty uh, so, much none is the answer yeah. to that. I get the feeling that if you, if Grant and Naylor had more time, if they'd had a, a, a steady break between Series 5 and going to do the American one, they could have come up with something and come up with something good. Yeah. But from the sounds of it, it was just so rushed and so... We need to get this ready for you know pilot season or whatever it was. We need to get it ready by this point that it just they didn't have time mm. at all. And Did I think with when we get to series five and we start talking about the actual production stress that was on that series, you know, coming out of it, I can imagine you know Grant Naylor wanting a break, yeah, <laughs> and not doing anything dwarf for a while, <laughs> yeah. Did you also feel that the big butt joke really didn't work for a hunky, chunky, handsome, hot guy like Craig Bierko? Absolutely. It was um, really yeah. incongruous, I thought. I, I didn't think it worked for Craig Charles, but, you know, it's it's funny. It worked um, better for Craig Charles, but yes, I mean, I, yeah. I, I think we've been a bit harsh on Craig Charles. I think he's quite an attractive man, actually. But compared him to the kind of stereo-handsome Craig Bierko, you know? Yeah, he's... I mean, the only way you could think that Craig Bierko has has a big bum is just the fact that he's so tall and so muscular. <laughs> he's got a big ass. <laughs> but it's, it's... I don't imagine it's anything to do with fat. 
Yeah. But but yeah, I I don't believe if they'd changed it to just sort of say, you know, Lister's body crevice or something like that, just to say where he was in uh, when and it's the fact he's they copy the line straight you go, Oh, it's like two badly parked Volkswagens. You, everybody took one look at that and just went, No, it isn't. I haven't even looked at it properly and I know it isn't. No, no. Um, it's still a good gag and it worked it did work for this you know you chuck along with it without almost thinking about the actual reality of it yeah but yeah it could it, that could have been mixed up a bit then there's some footage of an episode called Camille and it's actual footage from the British version of Camille completely there's nothing new in there at all including the the, the, the squidgy monster that looks a little bit dated Yes, because the shots of that as well had Craig Charles in the background, didn't they? Yes, they, they were, did. Yeah, it's it's interesting that one. Obviously, that would have been one that they were planning on redoing in the future. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't mind and the then, idea of just using stuff of Robert Llewellyn, but you've because you've got all these all these great bits with him in. You may as well just reuse a couple of bits. And then hopefully you can recreate it later on. Because as we said, this wasn't meant to be seen by the public eye. True. I mean, you're being kinder than I am, but I... Um, I'm in a kind of day. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like it was it was just cheap. And even like the most, the most kind of distant TV executives would surely have noticed that they had the wrong characters in the background and things like that. I, I thought it was just so poorly done. Yeah, maybe it's just come from coming from like a production background and knowing what it's like being on a on a really tight budget <laughs> to do something when you've had or you've got no money to do something that I kind of go, yeah, oh, I did on that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just that thing of I yeah, well, look, it's, oh, you know, we didn't shoot that much with with Robert Llewellyn in the costume that we could really use, but the thing is, they could have reused the I've been sat here for three million years bit. Yeah, it was a good gag, that. And and it was a good gag. And it wasn't a gag that they'd done in the British one. So Mm. they could have reused that. Mm, I just thought that off the top of my head. But I I can see why they did it, because it added in an alien to say to the executives, we're going to have aliens on it. Um, But, yeah, they could have easily reused the um, fire exit sign one. And then finally an episode called Shutdown, where... First of all, the crew encounter actual aliens rather than genetically created things, which kind of is a little bit of a red rag, perhaps, to hardcore fans. It doesn't bother me so much, but I think I think it kind of would be quite a at least a polarising thing to do, to have a, a Red Dwarf show where it was explicitly aliens rather than constructs and, and gelfs and any, anything like that. Um, but it, again... Another recycled gag, and the the badass cat being really, really uncharming. Is uncharming a word? But anyway. Mm. But I felt like Holly's scattiness was done really, really well here. Yeah, the, the countdown, that was actually a really funny joke. And I think Jane Leaves nailed it with the, well, they're all in, they're in the wrong order, but they're all there. I, I, I liked that joke. I did like that joke. It, it showed that there could have been original stuff in there that, that you know they didn't need. The alien thing, I think, probably because I think trying to get the idea of gelfs across to a US audience 
they, especially if it was going on mainstream TV, like mm, one of the big ones, it might have just turned people off. Oh, I agree, and I'm not asked about them bringing in aliens into the American version of the show, but I could see how it might be frustrating or annoying for some hardcore type fans, you know? Yeah, because it was always one of the big rules, wasn't it, is we're not having aliens. Yeah, exactly. To the point of a joke where Rimmer met any aliens that they weren't aliens. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I've, I've recently been reading the Red Dwarf RPG source book, and you can play lots and lots of different character types in that, but th- there are still no aliens. And it, it, it emphasises, even in the RPG game, that the Red Dwarf world doesn't have aliens, which, you know, says a lot about the RPG system, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's shown that it's sticking to, sticking to the law, which... But, but that's the thing. The law was quite well known and quite emphasised... For Red Dwarf, and would a, an American pilot breaking that law quite, quite blatantly and heavily have riled the original fans? And/or would that matter? It all depends because we didn't see the full episode. It could have been revealed that they're not aliens. True, true. And I'm sure Lister says something like genetically modified or genetically engineered, but I think he says alien. So I think he says genetically modified alien, um, <laughs> which I get the feeling if that had gone to a full show that it probably would have been adjusted. Yes, but yeah, no, it it'd be interesting to see how much of the law they'd they'd break. Yeah, because they never really wanted robots, and from this they were going from to have quite in there from the very beginning, which I think was a good idea. Oh, definitely. That, that that's one of the few things I liked because Quentin's brilliant. Yeah, definitely. And it gives somebody to play. In that pilot, if Crichton wasn't there and it was just uh, Lister and Rimmer, it would have been so much worse. I agree. I agree. The um, the whole thing... Oh, and then at the end it says, Red Dwarf coming soon to a reality near you. And I'm kind of glad it didn't, to be honest with you. Because I'd have had to watch it, because I'm a completist. And I wouldn't have enjoyed it, and I'd have watched it anyway. And there'd have been 22 episodes. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's I can almost stomach because I've been I've been looking at a lot of TV recently, obviously with us being in lockdown um, at the time, and I find that I can watch US TV when it's the because they don't do half an hour TV. They'll do like forty five minutes, and which is the hour with ad breaks. But if you do a half hour sitcom, it's really only twenty minutes. Mm. And I I actually think. That would have been palatable, but maybe not 22 of them. Yeah, I I watched an episode of Big Bang Theory the other day, and it was 19 minutes. It's like, bloody hell, that's that's super short. Yeah, there's YouTube videos that are longer. Yeah. But I just felt like this was not only a last-ditch attempt that surely none of them thought was actually going to work. I, I actually feel slight confusion about why they actually even bothered to submit this. This was never ever going to have a TV executive go, oh man that looks so good, we're going to make 22 episodes of that. It was never going to happen. No, I mean I, I, one of the things, if I ever go onto a YouTube uh, rabbit hole in an evening, if I've got not a lot to do is, I will look up Unmade Pilots 
um, just to see what they look like. And I like to see the stuff that didn't make it almost. And some mm. of it is good, and it just didn't make it because of uh, cost or something like that. This is probably one of the poorest looking ones I've seen. Yeah. And I've seen ones like going back to the 80s and stuff. And a lot of these pilots are, were sitcoms, and a lot of them were live action, uh, live studio audience. So it's doable. It's very doable, and it's been doable way before this got made. So, again, it makes mm. me wonder if they... Obviously, with it being on a sci-fi setting, but they could have easily just done bunk scenes in front of a live audience and then shot other stuff around it. Yeah. It just smacks to me of the fact that some big TV executive said, we're going to pay you some money to do this, and everybody involved knew it was going to be shit, but just took a payday. And the f- the first pilot was vastly superior to this. There was quite a lot to actually like in that episode. It wasn't perfect. But this was pretty much fucking wretched. It, it's a strange thing. The first one had the budget. And it had, you know, it had sets. It had costumes. It had, you know, background actors and everything else in there. Uh, but the second one had almost like better quality bits you know if they'd given the budget to the second one and then made this montage of here's what you're going to see Mm. but with that first one's budget that to me would have been the ultimate US pilot for it then perhaps it might have been better if they'd kind of combined the two and filmed them in one is what you're saying maybe I'm I'm surprised they didn't use a lot more of the original one in the second one hmm one thing I'd it, like to highlight is there is a you can watch it on YouTube there is a documentary on the American pilots that you can watch that was formerly on a DVD some point and um, Craig Charles refers to it as White Dwarf and there are no black people in this pilot at all whereas what's frustrating is in the original pilot the the captain was a black woman, which was wonderful, and I highlighted that as something that was really positive. And not only did they wipe her out, they wiped out the main character that was black as well. Could they not have got a black woman? Yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, fortunately, and they got some. I mean, they weren't to know at the time, but they got somebody playing that captain. Was, her name's uh, Lorraine. Uh, I can't pronounce this properly. Uh, Trusson, who's gone on to be in like Orange Is the New Black mm. and a lot of other things, and just thrived since. When you did one of those before they were famous things, you probably would have looked at that for her more than you would for like Craig Bierko. True, but yeah, the, the, it was the second one was. I don't understand... Well, I do understand why they cast Jerry Ryan. It's because she's an attractive woman. I mean, knowing now what we know about studio executives and their choices, you get the feeling they may have picked Jerry... Not, I mean, this sounds like I'm discrediting Jerry Ryan. She went on and had a very good career. But you get the feeling that that may have been influence of, well, she's very attractive. You know, yeah. Put her in it. From that documentary we've just mentioned, you never really get the impression that... They they put her in and they mentioned like oh it's a different dynamic for the cat and that and the other but they never really mentioned that oh she blew him away in yeah. audition you know she knocked yeah. it out of the park and it it really didn't it it felt like it was a studio choice yeah 
Yeah. And the way with the way American telly works, of course, you have all the um, the thing of you. It's the thing that they feared, like you're locked into a contract with the network for like five series, and they'll put you in. Like, if you look at Craig Bierko, the number of TV shows he's in over this kind of like five six year period, you get the feeling he was signed to the network, and they kept putting him in stuff. Yeah. Excuse me. And I think that might have been the case with Jerry Ryan. Yeah. Fair enough. With equality and everything like that, you realise that there really wasn't any in that second pilot. No. But it, it may not have been anything malicious. It may, like we said, been no. like, you've got a week, go. No, I don't think it was malicious in any way. I think it was dumb. That's all yeah. I'm saying. I don't think there was anything deliberate at all. I think probably casting a black female captain was deliberate. But I don't yes. think the mistake that they made in making it, as Greg Charles so unsubtly put it, white dwarf... I think that was just a genuine mistake, a thoughtless error, rather than yes. anything else. So, Carl, is there anything else that you wanted to mention about this doomed-to-fail, unfortunate American pilot? I'd almost like to see somebody have another go, as masochistic as that sounds. I'd, I'd, I'm almost curious to see what they would do with today's abilities and everything open to them and with so many networks being around and so many services somebody somewhere could probably make a decent one maybe as like a mini series I wouldn't want to see it run for years and years and years but I'd like to see somebody try and do one obviously we've got Red Dwarf UK I'm a big fan of like if it failed but it it could have worked trying again Almost on some things, and I th- I think it would be interesting for for them to try again, especially with stuff like the Orville now on the air. Honestly, I can absolutely see your point, and I think that it is very much valid. I think that there's a lot of good stuff that an American version could have potentially achieved, but I just don't want to see it. I don't feel like we need it. I don't feel like it would be anything other than just milking a cash cow that probably isn't that much of a cash cow anymore. True. I I, I, I just think it it's such an opportunity that was missed. And especially at the time when, like I said, the, the best pure time for it would have been during that gap between six and seven. Definitely. Definitely. Or even the time between eight and back to earth because there was 10 years between eight and back to earth mad isn't it yeah i was looking at i didn't realize the gap was so i didn't realize the gap between six and seven was so big i knew about that i hadn't clocked how long the gap was between eight and back to earth Mm. and we'll, we'll be talking about those eventually on the show but i think we were very fortunate to get series nine onwards after back to earth wasn't very good either I did rewatch it the other day. I think I mentioned to you. I was sitting down to to redo it, and I was like, "Oh, well." And again, like you said, small miracle. I think that it got picked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, Carl, where can people find you on the internet before we go? Uh, if you want to get hold of me, all my projects and socials can be found at allmylinks.com forward slash Mister Carl. And it's the unabbreviated Mister, so it's M I S T E R. Mate, you are so concise with your where people can find you on the internet. 
I am not. You can find my other two podcasts on the network, which are At Life's Milestones, which is a celebrant podcast about naming ceremonies and birth, weddings and relationships and funerals and death. That's linked to my real-life job as a humanist celebrant. You can also find my comic book podcast on the network. That's called Pull or Pass, at Pull or Pass on Twitter. And that is a weekly review show of the week's comics. Thank you for listening to Shipwrecked and Comatose, this special episode, before we jump right back into Series 2 of Red Dwarf. We hope you've enjoyed it. And until next time... Shipwrecked and Comatose, a Red Dwarf podcast, was created and produced by Mark Adams and Kurt North. You can find us on Twitter at Red Dwarf Pod, and we are part of the We Made This Podcast Network, which can be found online at WeMadeThisPod.com or on Twitter at WeMadeThisPod. Elsewhere on We Made This. Life's milestones. Whenever it was that there was that census where there was the campaign to try and get everybody to say that their religion was Jedi. Oh, I remember it well. I think I did put Jedi, to be honest. Yeah, well, well, I I was adamant that I really wanted to put that down because it aligns a lot more with my beliefs than than anything else. You know, Star (laughs) Wars has always been there for me. But, yeah, that that's when my mum was saying, no, we had you christened, and I ended up losing that one. And then when I lived on my own for a later census, I just, by that point, just put non-religious. I'm in a band podcast. Flaming Lips did a gig, and they were all in bubbles. <clears throat> so the whole band, you know them big bubbles you get that you play football in? Mm. The um, whole band were in them, and all the people in the crowd were in one of them. I'd go to the gig with a pin and fucking ruin everyone's evening. Oh. <laughs> then oh. you need a big pin. Then you have to get out of your bubble first with your oh, pin. They're going to see you. Oh, you have a bubble. Oh, you have a bubble with a pin on it. Oh, what lucky day! But you're like a sea urchin, just going around <laughs> causing chaos, <laughs> rolling around. Could you have a fag in them? I suppose you could. Get your own bubble in it. Frame to frame. So, Sean, have you got anything further you wanted to say on the two films that we've looked at this week? Um, I think they're both overlooked gems, and uh, anyone who hasn't seen them needs to go and check them out pronto. Enough said. I, I agree with you. We could have also called the theme for this week, Nerdy White Guy Tries to Find Love. But Are, 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 you, are you having a go at me there? <laughs> no, I'm just saying... Because <laughs> I bore my heart when talking about The Way Way Back, I thought you were having a pop at me there. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm just saying that that's what we could have called the theme for this week. I mean, oh yeah, we, we, yeah, we could have done. It could have been like, you know, podcaster recalls painful memory of riding bike in front of girl. <laughs> Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network.